think that the uh, everybody think it's snowing in Yerushalayim. Okay, the parashas mishpatim. If you want to see the pictures of our trip to uh, Warsaw, you can look on the website. Look, you know that the Pasha Mishpatim is the Pasha when things start getting confused. Everything suddenly, up to Mishpatim, we knew what was happening. There was Yitziat Mitzrayim and Matan Torah. So that all makes sense. The Jews left Mitzrayim in order to receive the Torah. And then they're supposed to go to Eretz Yikana'an. So at starting from Mishpatim, we don't know exactly what's going on. I'll tell you what I mean. The first half of the parish of Mishpatim, the first half of the parish of Mishpatim is a series of Mishpatim. A series of Mishpatim, laws, regulations. The first of them starts with uh, Evid Ivri, for example. It goes through... And so we don't know exactly what it's doing there. Uh, but let's say that um, the Parashat Mishpatim, all of these rules, these laws in Parashat Mishpatim are kind of an introduction to the Torah. In order for the Jews to say, Na'aseh Nishma, even though it's true that Na'aseh means now, and Nishma means the future, but still, even for now, they would have to know, even for now, they have to know what the Torah is. What does God want of them? So the Mishpatim, the Pasha Mishpatim, while it's true, is not the whole Torah. Hmm. You think it's recording? How would I know if it's recording? Oh, it's me, you would know. Should I push this thing in the middle here? Two minutes and 39. Yeah, it looks like it's recording. All right. Last week I, it just stopped. So I think because I hit it. Or I put on the, the mic or something. <coughs> Everything, everything's getting smaller and smaller. And I can't see any, you know, as well as I used to. So these are two contrary positions, like not being able to see and everything getting smaller. So that's the beginning of the parashah mishpatim. The parashah, the beginning of the parashah mishpatim is about laws. I don't know how these laws are collected or how they were chosen or why these laws are not those laws. But we can somehow still see these psukim within the context of Matan Torah. And that Matan Torah is really divided into two parts. The first part of Matan Torah is in the parish of Yitro, it's experiential. It, it sort of, it, it proves to all, everybody who is standing there that Matan Torah is possible. That there could be such a thing. I mean, you say, I mean, after all, the Jews at Har Sinai, they were the first ones to ever receive the Torah, any Torah. Uh, so, so who said, how do you know that God wants you to follow the Torah? Or how do you know that such a thing is even possible? That there would be a Torah given by God to Am Yisrael. How do you know that? So all the people who participated... All the people who participated at that time, they knew that. Because here God came down and he told them something. What did God actually tell them? Very little. Anochi Hashem Elokecha, maybe, maybe the first two Dibrot of Aserita Dibrot, almost a minuscule part of Torah. So it wasn't that God taught them the Torah. It was rather that God taught them that in fact, God wants them to receive a Torah and to live up to it. And then later on, when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu taught them the Torah, right, for 38 years in the desert, 
it, it made sense to them. They knew who Moshe Rabbeinu was. They knew that God wanted them to have the Torah. So it all made sense based on Har Sinai. But the response to Har Sinai, the actual response to Har Sinai, takes place at the end of the parasha of Mishpatim, where the Jews say, Naseven Ishma. You remember that, Naseven Ishma? Now, what do they say, Naseven Ishma, to? What, what are they referring to when they say, Naseh? Naseh what? So I think that the, the easiest uh, uh, way to understand it is that the first part of the parasha of Mishpatim is Torah. That Moshe Rabbeinu taught B'nai Yisrael and on that basis they were able to say, Naseh v'nishma. Because Naseh, Naseh means now. We will do. We'll do what? We'll do what we know about. And what does Nishma mean? we will also do what we haven't heard about yet. But it's not as though B'nai Yisrael didn't know anything about the Torah at that time. And if you add, uh, it doesn't matter, if you add, say man. Remember the man at the end of the parasha of Bishalach? So the man at the end of the parasha of Bishalach teaches them all about Shabbat. Right? So the Shabbat, so besides the Aseret that they brought, at least the first Anochi Velo Yelecha, and then all the the first half of the Parsha Bishpatim, that all leads up to Naseb and Ishma, that they're able to say, yes, we are willing. They're able to say, we're willing, we want to accept the Torah. That's the first half or the first part of the uh, of the Parsha of uh, of Mishpatim. Now, if you look at the sheet, Perik Perik of Gimel Pasuk Kaf. There's a sudden break. The pasuk before the pasuk that's written on the sheet is Lo Tevashel Gedi Bechalevi Mo, which is the last halacha in the parasha of Mishpatim, in this group of halachot. And lot of Hashel Mo is about uh, um, cooking milk and meat together. And the reason that the pasuk appears three times in the Torah is because there's a prohibition to cook, and there's a prohibition to eat, and there's a pro- prohibition to have hana'ah, to sell it. In other words, I'm not just not allowed to eat Basar bechalav, but I'm not allowed to make basar bechalav. Now, basar bechalav is not what you think it is, or some of you. Basar bechalav means a piece of meat in a tub of milk that you cook together. That's basar bechalav. It's not basar that smells chalav at a short distance, which today is what a lot of people think basar bechalav is. But it means to actually cook it and to make a mixture. Like the basar has to be kind of infused with the chalav. I'm not allowed to make it. I'm not allowed to eat it. And I'm not allowed to derive any pleasure from it. But if I take a cold milchigan knife and I cut up a cold piece of salami, the world has not been shaken up at all. But we, we do, everybody does what they do, you know, like, nobody wants to be left out of the basar v'chalav race. Like, where can I find more problems? This is like for the last 2,000 years of basar v'chalav. But basar v'chalav in the Torah, you can't cook it together, you can't eat it after it's been cooked, and you can't use it for anything else. The th- one of the three times that the Pasuk, Lotev Asher Gedi Bechalei is mentioned, is in the parasha of Mishpatim. A- at the end of these collection of halachot that begins with the words, Ve'eleh HaMishpatim Asher Tasim Lifnehem. That's the first part of the parasha. And I told you that all of these Mishpatim are probably connected to the end of the parasha Mishpatim, where the Jews are asked, 
to accept the Torah, and they say Naseb Nishma, and they have real Torah that they've learned that they can base their acceptance on. However, what we're interested in is the next Pasuk. The next Pasuk is on your sheet. Hinei Anochi Sholeach Malach Lefanecha Lishomrecha Baderech that's what the Pasuk says. That's Eretz Israel. Or that's the Beit HaMikdash. Or that's, but it's, it's, some, it's that idea. Now, Hashem says, What is a Malach? A Malach finds the way. A malach leads you to where you're supposed to go. I mean, the word malach is usually translated as angel, but I don't want to do that yet. Because I want to, I want to see what the word malach means more precisely. The malach's job will be, malach's job will be to watch over you as you go along. And to bring you to the place to which you are going, which Hashem has prepared. And so, uh, the question is a simple question, of course. What is this talking about? I mean, what's a malach? What's wrong with Moshe Rabbeinu? What happened? I mean, nothing happened. There's been no change of any kind. So what does Hashem say? And then it says, then the second pasuk that's written at the top, he psukim in the parsha. I know that people don't pay attention when they hear the laning in shul, but these two psukim have been there since time immemorial. And the second pasuk says, "He mi panav ushma Watch out for him and listen to what he says. Who's the who's the subject of the sentence? Sounds like the malach. Like what Malach are we talking about? Listen to him, watch out for him. Why? Al-Tamerbo. He says, do not deny his authority. Right? He will not bear the burden of your transgression, which sounds like it means in a kind of, we would say, because he's going to zap it to you. Because if you don't listen to him, you will be punished. Him meaning the Malach. Kilo means to bear the weight of transgression. He won't bear the weight of transgression. He's going to get rid of that weight by punishing you. Ki, last phrase. Ki shmi bikirbo. I haven't got a clue. It's always a problem when the words are simple. It's never a problem when the words are incomprehensible. Because then there's hope. Somebody may come along and tell me what those incomprehensible words mean. But when I understand the words and I don't know what the Torah is talking about, then I have a problem. So what does the Pasuk say? Kishmi bikirbo. What is Shabib Kirbo? Who's the, who's the subject of that phrase? What? The Malach? I mean, there's no other subject in these Psukim. What does Shabib Kirbo mean about a Malach? So look at Rashi. Rashi's good. Rashi says, Kan nitbasru shatidim lachto. Kan nitbasru shatidim lachto. Ushchina omeret lahem. What chait is Rashi talking about? The chait Egel. When is the chait Egel? When does the chait Egel happen? Later. Later. It, had, it hasn't happened yet. When is later? Which parasha? Parasha of Kitisa. That means now we have the parasha Mishpatim, then we have Truma, Tetzaveh, and Kitisa. And the Chet HaEgel takes place, the story of the Chet HaEgel takes place in the parasha of Kitisa. Here, why HaKadosh Baruch is saying this to Bnei Yisrael, I don't know. 
But according to Rashi, Rashi says, I'll tell you what, this doesn't make any sense. And the only way that I can make sense out of this pasuk is by moving it. Saying, it's here, but after all, there is this principle that Rashi adheres to, which is, Ein mukdam that there's no necessary chronological order in the Torah, which is different than saying that there is no chronological order in the Torah, because there is. The Torah is chronological. First Avraham, then Yitzchak, then Yosef, Yaakov, Yosef, etc. It's chronological. But sometimes it's not chronological. And what does Rashi say about that? Nothing. Rashi says, so it's not chronological. In other words, Rashi says, I don't care. I don't have to learn anything from it. I don't have to derive anything from it. That's how the Torah is, quirky. Sometimes the Torah is not chronological. So this pasuk, Rashi says, is not really chronological. Because what is it that the pasuk says? What does the pasuk really say? That I, Kaviachol HaKadosh Baruch will not lead you into Eretz Canaan, but who will lead you into Eretz Canaan? Amalach. And that's really the punishment that B'nai Yisrael are suffering, will suffer, do suffer, for the Chaita Egel. What is the Pasuk doing here, according to Rashi? We don't know. Should that bother us, according to Rashi? No. It happens. It happens that we get a preview of what's really going to happen later. And in fact, not only does it happen later, according to Rashi, but it says it in the, in the, uh, in the Pasuk, right? The quote here is Paraglam and Gimel. Paraglam and Gimel, Pasuk Gimel. Paraglam and Gimel. Paragraph and Gimel. One. Bat Shalosh. Oh, it's on the sheet. No, uh, this is pasuk Yud Bet. This is a different pasuk. It doesn't matter. After the Chaita Egel. When, when, when they were forgiven, the Jews were forgiven to, for building the Egel, but not 100% forgiven. So Hashem says to Bnei Yisrael, I intended, so to speak, to take you to Eretz Klan. You'd go led by God. But now you're going to be led by an angel, which will be an indication of uh, that, that somehow the relationship has changed. But we're interested in our Pasuk, in Mishpatim. And Rashi says, Rashi says again, here the Torah tells us, or the Torah tells them, And so there's a kind of preempting of a story that hadn't taken place yet. The story of the Egel hasn't taken place yet. But God is telling them it'll take place and there's going to be a punishment. And this is the punishment. I don't know. I know it seems terribly odd to me. If you look at the last Rashi on the page, Kishmi Bekirbo, you see that Rashi? That's the last phrase in the second Pasuk. Kishmi Bekirbo. The Rashi says, means you have to attach this clause to the beginning of the Pasuk. Meaning, the beginning of Pasuk Kaf. Right? What does it say at the beginning of Pasuk? That's the first clause. And the last clause is, and that's what Rashi says, that's how you should read it. Those two phrases together, that's called it's connected to the beginning of the Pasuk. 
הישמר בפניו, כי שמי משותף בו. Watch out for him, because my name, the name of God, is kind of mixed into him. It's like, רבותינו אמרו, זה מטטרון. I don't know is the answer to the question that you are going to ask. There was an angel who was called Metatron. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin says about Metatron, Sheshmo Kishem Rabo. Metatron, and the hint is that Metatron, Bigimatria, I didn't do it. You know, you count the, the, the letters as numbers, equals the name of Hashem Shaddai, Shin Dalad Yud. So if you, Shin is 300, right? And, and 14. And so whoever wants to do Metatron could do Metatron, but it doesn't really matter. Because Chazal said it's the same number, it's the same number. <laughs> Whenever you have to jiggle it around, you know, to come out, it'll jiggle it around. What, it doesn't make any difference. Oh, it works. Oh, good. Well, you see that? Baruch Hashem. So what did Rashi teach us? Rashi taught us two things. First of all, you could say like in situ, like right in this spot, it doesn't mean a thing. I mean, it's crazy. It has something to do with what's going to happen to them after the Chet Ega. And if you ask me why is it that the Torah told this to us here, so Rashi says, the Torah decided to tell them what's going to happen. Is that an answer to the question? I don't think so. The Torah decided. Then, the Rashi has something to say about the angel. And what Rashi says about the angel is that this was not a regular angel, whatever that is. But this was an extraordinary angel. And what, that, what is it you could say about an a, a extraordinary angel? The extraordinary angel is God-like. In other words, when God decided not to lead B'nai Yisrael into Eretz Canaan and send an angel to lead them, he did not send a GPS to lead them to Eretz Canaan. But he, he sent a mystic. Someone who had great understanding of things. Not God, but someone very close to God. An angel, very close to God. Not an automaton that just did it, but somebody special. And that's what Rashi, that's what Rashi has to say. Now before, uh, before we look at the, the Ibn Ezra, I want to, I want to look at, uh, just remind you of some psukim at the beginning of Yoshua. On the second page, which has this more or less incomprehensible drawing by Rembrandt, this is the Lord appearing to Joshua by Rembrandt. You know, like, it's as though he was the author of the story of God appearing to Yoshua. What does it say? You remember when the Jews crossed into Eretz Canaan, the first place they went to was Yericho. And the first city that they conquered was the city of Yericho, which was done miraculously. Right? You remember the shofar wrote, they ran around, the walls came tumbling down. Vaisa enavayar. That's Yoshua. Picked up his eyes. And suddenly he saw something that he hadn't known was there. isho biyado. There's a man. Now the word ish is a tricky word, as the Rambam always says. The word ish could mean a human, and it also is a word to describe an angel. That's what the Rambam says at the beginning of Hilchot Yisodei Torah. He says ishim. The word ishim are angels in Hebrew. The Rambam, we know, is very interested in words. And his sword is drawn in his hand, so Yeshua walked over to him, are you one of us? Or are you the enemy? Perhaps. He went to ask him. 
And maybe there were 15 other guys with Yoshua. You know, like you don't just go over to a guy who has a sword in his hand and ask him a question. This, this person says, I am a great officer of God, and I've just come. And Yoshua understood that this was a very serious matter. And so he fell on the ground on his face, which is um, the most extreme form of bowing which means that you realize that you can't really, that you're not on the par with whatever is standing before you, which is why that's what genuflection is, right? You, you make nothing of yourself. You, you, you kind of eat the ground. Uh, that's, that's what bowing. Bowing is not like it is today where it just became politeness. You know, I don't even know if, People bow out of politeness anymore. But, I mean, the Queen of England, people bow, yeah? I mean, I don't mean those state things where you pay people to bow. I mean, <laughs> I mean like, if you happen to meet the Queen in the supermarket, would you bow? Uh, it's a Shiloh, right? It's an interesting question. Whoever poskins those things would have to deal with it. But here, he said, Yoshua, uh, after the guy introduces himself, Yoshua realized that he just couldn't stand there, that he was dirt compared to the person who was talking to him. What message do you have for your slave, Yoshua? So this was the Yehoshua meeting with the divine. Just as Moshe Rabbeinu met God at the Sne, and, and the Malach said to Moshe Rabbeinu, also, here too the angel says to Yehoshua, you don't have to be a great literary analyst to argue that there's some experiential matter that Yoshua was missing. He was he followed the path of Moshe Rabbeinu as a leader in war, but he could not simply follow Moshe Rabbeinu as a spiritual leader without having some spiritual experience that was unique to him, as it was to Moshe Rabbeinu. So Yoshua, Yoshua um, had this experience, okay? Now, okay, we don't know who this angel was. We don't know who this angel was, but Rashi says, if you look at Rashi and Pasuk Tedvav, right, the last Rashi on the page, I mean in this section, Sar Tzava Hashem, Yisrael Shehu Tzava Lashem. He's the Sar of the army, which is Yisrael, which is God's army. Umichael Haya. And the name of the angel is Michael, Shneemar Michael Sarchem, it's a Pasuk in Daniel. That Michael, that when you ever have a mention of a sar, and it's in the context of an angel, it must be talking about the angel, about the angel Michael. So you see that according to Rashi, see that according to Rashi, something was special was happening here. Something special was happening to Yeshua Binun, although we have no inkling of what that was. What was it? Even though I said that it's comparable to the experience of Moshe Rabbeinu, but we don't know exactly what was happening to Yoshua. Okay, let's put that, like, keep it in mind and look at the Ibn Ezra on the first page. Um, we won't learn that whole Ibn Ezra, but we'll learn just part of it. 
The Ibn Ezra says this, Omar Hashem Moshe. you see the Ibn Ezra? The left hand part of the first page. Shiomar Gamzel Yisrael, Kimi Kablu Koladvirma Mishpatim Mitchilat Vatem Ritem, Azivim El Haaretz, Rabim Ishtab Shubazeh. This is where we're interested. Rabim Ishtab Shubazeh, meaning a lot of confusion, a lot of error, a lot of mistakes in explaining this Pasuk. Yeshomrim, Kiamalach, who say for Ba'avur kishmi b'kirbo. Right. Remember the first clause is in there. No v'shelech malach lefonecha. The last clause is shmi b'kirbo. So since we don't know what the malach is doing here, and since we don't want to explain what Rashi said, because that's that's really uh, like why would the Torah do that? So the Ibn Ezra mentions an unknown commentary that said, "What's the malach?" What's the Malach? The Sefer Torah? Why is the Sefer Torah Malach? Okay, you can make it up. Everybody can make up how a Sefer Torah could be a Malach. And how do we know that the Malach is a Sefer Torah? Because it says about this Malach, Ki Shemi Bikirbo. What else is there about which you could say Shmi Bikirbo except for, except for a Sefer Torah? That's the first thing that the Ibn Ezra rejects. That this is the ark, the malach, is the ark in which the luchot habrit were kept. So when you say shmi bekirbo, you mean the name of God written on the Ten Commandments is in the Aron habrit. <coughs> Maybe that's what it is. Achayim amru Aron habrit upershu v'shema bekolo hakatubo. So, in other words, all of these commentaries seem to be going along the same direction to say that even though the pasuk, the word malach, is used, what is it really referring to? Some sort of direct contact with God through the Torah, through the Aseret HaDebrot, through the Aron Habrit. All of these things are similar. Um... All of these are statements of wind. It's not a compliment. You know, it's just meaningless, foolishness. In other words, according to, according to the Ramban, according to the Ibn Ezra, I'm sorry, what does the word Malach mean? According to the Ibn Ezra, what does the word Malach mean? Malach means an act of God. If you wanted to dehumanize the statements about God, right, they should limit the anthropomorphisms in the Torah. So you say Malach. You don't have to say God beat up on Mitzrayim. You say Malach Hashem beat up on Mitzrayim. But you don't mean that there was a actual thing called a Malach. What you mean is that this is a, uh, the hand of God, the agent of God, the it's implied that God did it. And therefore, according to the Ibn Ezra, we don't have to look for the Malach. We don't have to look for who it is. And Shmi Bikirbo simply means that it's God that who is in the action. That God made it possible. It doesn't mean anything about, has nothing to say about about the Malach himself. Okay? That's the Ibn Ezra. So you have two kinds of really opposite positions. The position of Rashi, where the Malach that we're talking about has a name. And his name is Metatron. Not only is he real, according to Chazal, but we can name him. In a, in a catalog of angels, he would appear. 
And Shmi Bikirbo means something special about this Malach. The Ibn Ezra doesn't like that. And he thinks that the word Malach could be understood easily as uh, the effect of God. God did it. That's called Malach, when God does something. Okay. I want to look at the Ramban. The Ramban is a is a long is a long uh, a long essay, but we'll get through it somehow. You see the Ramban on page two. So the first section he quotes, he quotes Rashi. Now we know even before we start that there's something about Rashi that the Ramban is not going to like. And what Rashi Ramban is not going to like is this business of using Ein Mukdam U Torah in a very liberal manner. Every time you say you have some kind of a problem of the in chronology, Rashi says Ein Mukdam Muharba Torah. The Ramban says no. You have to work it out. You have to read the psukim as though they are written in the chronological order. You can't give up on that. You can't deny that. So here you have Rashi. Here you have the Ramban. Be'lishmod Rabba Ra'iti. Gamkein yeshmid shidoresh kach shizel devar ha'egel. So the Ramban says, you know, I, I know that Rashi didn't make up this commentary on his own. Because in Shemot Rabbah, there is an opinion that this pasuk relates to the Chet HaEgel. V'yesh lish'ol, sh'areh ha'gzerah hi lo nitkaima. Sh'akadosh Baruch Hu amalo v'shilachti lefanecha malach, ki lo a'aleh b'kir b'cha, u'moshe b'kesh ale rachamim. Now, I can't, I can't go through all these psukim, but you should remember them. They were all there last year. He says, how could it be that the pasuk here would say, when we know that the story is that this didn't happen. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu after the Chet Egel. I'm not going to bring them to Canaan. I'm going to send the Malach. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, if you don't do it yourself, so to speak, then I'm out of the picture. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu reneged. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed to bring B'nai Yisrael to Eretz Canaan. So look, if you look at the Ramban, Yesh Lishol, line 9. You see line 9, Yesh Lishol, Shoyak Zelahi, Lonit Kaima. It's not true that B'nai Yisrael brought to Eretz Canaan by a Malach. Shakarish Bochum, hello, the Moshe Rabbeinu. Vishilachti, the Fadecha Malach. Kilo, Alebekibachan. So he said later on, after the Chet Egel, Akarish Bochum said, I'm not going. I'm not taking you into Eretz Canaan. The Malach will take you. Vamar. And Moshe Rabbeinu answered, Im ain Panecha Holchim. If you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, your face does not lead us into Eretz Canaan, Alta'aleinu Mizeh. We're not moving. What do we have to go to Eretz Canaan for? We, we're happy here with the Torah. In Har Sinai. Alta'aleinu Mizeh. Uvamei davada eifo. Ki matzati cheimei necha. Nivamecha. Lavilach techeimanu. He says, after all, the whole business of Yitziat Mitzrayim is about going with God. All of a sudden, God is going to abandon us? So how do we know that we're supposed to follow the angel? I mean, we're not trained for that. This doesn't mean anything to us. Uh, Line 14, the end of the line. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed. 
ואמר לו גם את הדבר הזה שדיברת אעשה. He's like a rabbi that's just reading the psukim, he's not doing anything. וכך אמרו, דאפילו בפרונקה לא קבליני, even they didn't accept a shaliach. They didn't accept an agent of God. דכתיב, אמן פניך הולכים, אל תעלינו מזה. So what does the Ramban say? He says two things about Rashi. First of all, he says, the Rashi interpretation. What's the Rashi interpretation? That the Malach refers to the Malach that we were talking about after the Chet Egel, And it's an indicator that the Jews are going to sin. So the Ramban says, you know, there really there is such an opinion in Chazal. But it doesn't make sense to me. Because after all, it didn't happen. And since it didn't happen, what possible purpose could there be for the Torah telling us about it now? After, after the first part of Parashat Mishpatim, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Now, let's go on a little bit more. Ha-tshuva l'fi adat hazot ki ha-gzeira hi lo nitkaimai Moshe b'yamav u-ma sh'amar v'niflinu ani v'amcha v'amar כי מצאת חן בעיניי וידעך ושן, ועוד אמר, ורקרא כל אבא שאתה בקרבו, ולאחר מיטתו של משה רבנו, שלח להם מלאך. So the Raman says, it's true that there was such a gzeira. What was the gzeira? That God will not lead them to Eretz Canaan, but the Malach will lead them to Eretz Canaan. But because Moshe Rabbeinu prayed that that gezeira should be, uh, there should be a stay of that gezeira, so, so who led them to Eretz Canaan? Moshe Rabbeinu. And after Moshe Rabbeinu, after Moshe Rabbeinu, the Malach. And where is that Malach? In that Pasuk in Yoshua that we just read. אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה
There is this idea that the Malach HaGoel is not just to redeem the people, but is the redeemer of God, so to speak, himself. Because if God is in exile, then God needs redemption, as much as B'nai Yisrael are in exile. So what's the Malach HaGoel? The Malach HaGoel is God going back to Eretz Yisrael. HaMalach HaGoel asher Hashem etzelo b'girbo ki b'kashot tzur olamim v'ushamar etc. etc. v'yikra'enu hakatuv malach b'avur eyot kon hanhagot ha'olam hazeh b'mido ahi v'rabotenu amu aman line 48 ki hu metatron v'ushem lemore haderech So listen so the way the Ramban understands it. Remember, what is the Ramban's basic issue? He doesn't like that. And therefore, he's going to divide our Pasuk. Our Pasuk, look back at page one. Look back at page one, yay. Hinei anochi sholeach malach lefanecha l'shomrecha l'adech u'laviacha el hamakol Asher hachinoti. What? What malach is that? What malach is it that God told Bnei Yisrael about after they received the Torah of Mishpatim? That's the malach goel. What's the malach goel? That's the malach that's going to bring you back. That that's going to be in charge of Geula of bringing you back, bringing Am Yisrael back to Eretz Yisrael in all situations. And that Malach HaGoel, there's something special about it, as Rashi says. Its name is Metatron. And what is Metatron? The Gematria, Shin Dalet Yud. And that's what Shmi Bekirbo means. That the Malach doesn't just lead you from exile to redemption, but the Malach represents the, repre- the, the redemption of God. And so after receiving the Torah, after receiving the Torah, just before they say Naseh Benishma, what information according to the Ramban does Am Yisrael get? Gets the information that there's a Malach HaGoel. That, that this is always the issue. B'nai Yisrael would say, why should we accept the Torah? Why should we accept the Torah? We know that the Torah is true. And we know that God gave the Torah. And we know that God wants us to accept the Torah. But why should we accept the Torah? Why should we accept the Torah? Because we know we're going to mess up. Not that... I mean, it's just too complicated. It's just too difficult to expect everybody to be on top of it. And if we don't accept the Torah, then we all mess up in those particular areas. So instead of having 8,742 mitzvot that we have to do, instead of worrying about Basav Chalav, we can relax. Maybe we'll make it through with the Sheva Mitzvot B'nai Noach. So as a further, as a further rationale for accepting the Torah, what is it that HaKadosh Baruch says to B'nai Yisrael before they say Nazar and Nishma, where this is in chronological order, Here's the Torah. So B'nai Yisrael said this, all of this, everything, have to do all of these things. Who, who has such a demand? Where is such a demand in history? So Rashi says, so the, the Torah says, Hinei Anochi Sholeach Malach. That ultimately, there's a Malach HaGoel. There is a guarantee, as we see in other places in the Torah as well, a guarantee of Gula. And not only, this is like the secret that the Torah is telling B'nai Yisrael at this time, not only is there a guarantee of Gula, but you have to understand that the notion of Gula applies to HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyochol himself. It applies to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And because the Malach's name is Metatron, and Metatron equals Shindal Yud. And Shindal Yud is one of the names of a Kodesh Bochel. 
And so about this Malach HaGoel, we can say, Kishmi Bikirbo. My name is in its midst. So according to the Rabban, even though Rashi is right in telling us that Kishmi Bikirbo is Metatron, Rashi is wrong in saying that the specific reference in this Pasuk is to the Cheta Egel. Because, as the Ramban points out quite correctly, even after the Cheta Egel, Moshe Rabbeinu argued the case and said that the Malach HaGoel has to bring Bnei Yisrael to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Kenan. And if the Malach HaGoel doesn't bring Bnei Yisrael to Eretz Kenan, then how can we believe the future? And so HaKadosh Baruch accepted that Ta'ana of Moshe Rabbeinu. The Malach HaGoel brought B'nai Yisrael to Eretz Kenan, but since they, the punishment was in place already previously, the Malach, the regular Malach, the leadership Malach, the Malach that indicated that there was once a Chet Egel, that Malach, Right, made an appearance to Yoshua ben Nun, and said to Yoshua ben Nun, "Now I'm leading you. Now I'm taking, I'm taking charge." So you see that the Ramban, Ramban comes up with an entirely different appreciation of the Sukim, because the Ramban is not prepared to accept the idea that even though the Chet Egel hasn't happened yet, as Rashi is prepared to accept, even though there's no Chet Egel, the punishment for Chet Egel is already in place. Or the announcement by a Kodesh Bochel that there will be a Chet Egel, Rabban is not prepared to accept that line of thinking or that line of, of reasoning. And the Rabban explains to us that there is the, there's the institution of the Malach Goel who actually was the one who brought Bnei Yisrael to Eretz Canaan, and the Malach, which indicates a dominion of divine watchfulness over Bnei Yisrael, was the Malach that Yoshua Benun met up with when the, when the Malach with the, with the sword came to him and told him whatever he told him. Uh, okay, have a good job. What do I do now? Record now. Recording. What do I do now? I want it just to go off. Or just push it on top? Uh, Let's...